y'all, it is, it is Advent season. Um, for those that weren't here last week, Advent, that word Advent, it, it means coming. And what we do during this Christmas season is we celebrate the coming of Jesus and, and all that that means, right? And, and I think most of us know the story of Christmas, uh, that Jesus was, was God's one and only son, that he was born of a virgin, uh, that he was prophesied in the Old Testament, that he came, and, and right, we've all watched Charlie Brown Christmas, right? And, and, and so there's Linus, you know, talking about, and, and there were shepherds. Lo and behold, there were shepherds in the field. And, uh, and, and, and this is what God says, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And, um, and so we're, we're, we kind of have this concept of, of why Jesus came, um, but, but we don't really understand what all that means. And so Advent is about that. It's about focusing on, on what exactly that birth of Jesus means. And so last week, we talked about hope. This morning, we're going to talk about peace. And so the first thing we're going to do is, uh, is we're going to pray, okay? So I need you to have a Bible. Um, go ahead. You can go, go grab it. You can jump into Isaiah 9. Um, we're going to be in Isaiah 9. We're going to read verse 6. I'll have it on the screens as well. We're also going to read 5 and 7. Um, also, I'm going to ask you to take notes. So uh, if you don't mind, um, we're going to ask you one of two things. If you grabbed a bulletin when you walked in, it looks something like this. Could you hold that up for me? Woohoo! Okay, that means you love to write with pen, right? There's one in the chair in front of you. Uh, fill out that fill in the blank. If you're not filling out these, then we're going to ask you to use these. Uh, our online digital notes, same thing you did with offering. Open up that camera app, point at that, and you say, Pastor, why am I doing this? And we're going to do it because this is our time to learn about God's Word. And so uh, you, you may be, but I'm an auditory learner. Yeah, you are, but you're going to leave here and listen to a bunch of other stuff, including football. And um, you're going to forget. And so you need to write something down. You need to go back and revisit it. That is our hope and prayer. So I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word. And then, uh, and then we're going to jump in together. Father, um, thank you so much for loving us. Um, God, you are kind and good. And uh, we just ask right now that you would come in a special way and meet with us. Um, Holy Spirit, just want to invite you into this space. We declare that you're the teacher of our church and we pray this morning that you would do a great and powerful work in our midst. Holy Spirit, teach us from the inside out about this Jesus and about all that he means for us and how our lives can be changed and transformed because of what he has done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, well, guys, we're going to start off this year uh, or this morning uh, the way we, we started off uh, last week, and, and that is by doing a responsive reading. I've only got one for you. Last week we did four, and there's no tricks this time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the first part. You're going to do the second part. Okay, super easy. Um, but, but this was written. This is a prophecy we're going to read from the prophet Isaiah. It was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. All right, so just a little gravity. Let that sink in for a second. We know about Jesus. We know that he was born, uh, born of a virgin, right? There's no room in the inn. You're thinking all those thoughts, little baby laying in the manger, all those kind of thoughts. This was written about that moment 700 years before it ever happened. Responsive reading. I'll read the white. You guys do your best in unison to read, in unison to read the yellow. Good luck. Here we go. Isaiah 9.6. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. Good job. Good job. With that, three things I want to share with you guys, guys, and here's the first. I want you to know that all of creation has been at war 
since the fall of mankind in the garden. We're going to talk about what, what does that mean that Isaiah says that this, this Jesus, this child, this baby lying in a manger, what does it mean that he's going to be the Prince of Peace? We have to start uh, here. This is why Jesus came as the Prince of Peace, because all of creation has been at war since the fall of mankind in the garden. And, and in fact, even that prophecy that Isaiah speaks 700 years before Jesus is born, even that verse, Isaiah 9, 6, the context of that verse is war. Right? That is the actual context of the promise of God is war. Don't believe me? Look at the verse before, Isaiah 9.5. Here's what it says. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Then it says what we read. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The next verse, after verse 6, is verse 7, and it says this. The dominion will be fast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. The context is war. And y'all, if you study the Bible, it doesn't take long for you to recognize that since Genesis chapter 3, when mankind fell into sin... When mankind believed the lie of the devil that God was holding out on us, when we actively chose to rebel against God and say, no, I know what you say, but I think I know what's better, from that moment, we have been at war. Okay? And and, and listen, I know know what you're thinking. We're like, yeah, we're at war. I mean, we know some of that. This morning I want to talk to you about how vast that war is. The Bible starts by just talking about the fact that we're at war with the devil. That's that's an easy one for us to figure out. Uh, The Apostle Paul calls the devil uh, Satan, by the way, who's a fallen angel. Uh, The Bible calls him the ruler. Paul calls him the ruler of the power of the air. That's in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. He says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedience. So Paul calls the devil uh, the, the ruler of the air, and says that he leads to acts of disobedience. Jesus goes a step further than Paul in, in the Gospel of John. He says this about the devil. He says, now judgment of this world, uh, now's the judgment of the, this world, now the, here's, here's what he calls the devil, ready? The ruler of this world. He actually calls Satan the ruler of this world. And, and, and this war with him, with this devil, with this one that, that led us into temptation. We're the ones that sinned. He didn't make us sin. We chose it. But now we've been in this thing, and we call this war spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. The Apostle Paul writes about it in the book of Ephesians. He actually says this in, in Ephesians six twelve. He says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, it's against the authorities, it's against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. We are at war. And, and first and foremost, y'all, we're at war uh, with this, this person, this fallen angel, this spiritual force that some refer to as the devil, some call Satan. But you need to know that it's real. You need to know that he's powerful. And, and you need to know that, that he... He, he tempts and leads to disobedience. When people choose to follow him, it leads to disobedience, which ultimately leads to death. But the Bible doesn't just say we're at war with him. 
It also says that because of all that, we're at war with one another. Uh, James writes in James 4, what's the source of wars and fights among you? Right? See, like, like this is now part of it. Uh, do, you, do you remember what happened uh, the moment that Adam and Eve sinned? I mean, immediately. Now, now, everything was perfect before then. Nothing was wrong. Then they actively chose to disobey God. And, 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 and then they hide from God. God shows up. And immediately, now they're in conflict with one another. And Adam's like, well, it's this woman that you put me here with. It's her fault. Eve's got to be going, wait, dude, you're supposed to be the head. Like, what, what's up? You didn't lead me well. You should have said no, bro. You were in this. Conflict immediately pops up, right? And so, so we're not just at war with the enemy. We're also at war with one another. Y'all, can I speak honestly and openly for a moment? A lot of people think that what really affected church as we know it back in 2020 was a, a sickness called COVID. Can I tell you that that wasn't what really affected the church? What really affected the church was quarrels and fights among us. Everybody had different opinions on what it was and what we should do. Oh, then came the election, right? I mean, after all, the most important thing in the world is who we vote for. That's got to be the most important thing ever. We should make it the most important thing ever. Let's talk about it all the time. You know what? And if somebody doesn't agree with us, let's stop talking to them. Right? Because we know our Savior is going to be voted for. We know that's how the world gets right. That we're going to put the right person in office and suddenly everything's going to turn towards Jesus. That ain't in the Bible. And if you act like that's what your faith is based on, then we're going to keep having fights and quarrels. So I want to tell you this in love. It's going to happen in about a year. Ready? In this place, we do not care who you vote for. In this place, we will not over-spiritualize it. In this place, we realize that some of you are for big government and some of you are for smaller government. We realize there's some things attached to that. But none of you are going to be the enemy because our enemy is Satan. And he's going to try to turn us against one another. And all it does is hurt the kingdom. So I want you to look to your left for a second. And I want you to look to your right for a second. And I want you to kind of look behind you. The front half look behind. The back half look forward. Yeah, that's the only way this part works. Otherwise, you're just seeing the back of their head. Those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And in this place... We refuse to let the enemy divide us. All right? In this place, we will not elevate politics to a place that they don't deserve. That's just one of many choices that you'll make. And that choice is not what will lead you to victory. Only Jesus will. So we're going to focus on the kingdom. We're going to focus on the will of God. We're going to live out the Bible, which says to love one another deeply. And we're going to walk together in a world that's crying that we should hate one another. We're going to love each other so strongly that people around us go, how do you do that? And we'll say, his name's Jesus. You should get to know him. He's the real savior of the world. Right? Does that make sense? So listen, we've been at war with the devil. That's true. We've been at war with one another. James 4.1, though, says that that war actually comes from another place. 
says its source is within us. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about that war in Romans 7. He says, I I don't understand what I'm doing because I I don't practice what I want to do. I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it's good. So now I'm no longer the one doing it, but it's a sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. So the Bible is real clear in these things. Since the fall of mankind, we've been at war with the devil. We've been at war with one another. And ultimately, we're at war with ourselves. But there's one other battle that we're not mentioning. It's actually the biggest. It's the most important. It's the one that has the greatest consequence. And that's this truth that ultimately, since the fall of mankind, we have been at war with God. Romans 8, 7 says, The mindset of the flesh is hostile. To God. It's hostile. It, it, God becomes, because of our sin, He actually becomes our enemy. We, 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 we become combatants against Him and against what He wants and, and against what He would have for us. So, guys, we just start with this, this simple truth. It, it's, it's the Bible from cover to cover. It's that all of creation has been at war since the fall of mankind in the garden. All right? Second thing I want to share with you this morning is this, is that our lives scream of our desire for peace. Our lives scream of our desire for peace. If you stop and look for a moment at what we're doing, at how we're feeling, and at where we're turning, you can't help but understand this point is that our lives are actually screaming that we need peace. Let me, let me talk about that for a second. I, I, I'm going to share some statistics with you. I, I hope they affect you a little bit. I hope they milk, make you think. Here in the United States of America, currently the self-help book industry makes $11 billion a year in the U.S. alone. Self-help books. Okay, now listen. I, I was studying for this. I was like, how much, how much is $11 billion? So I got out my calculator, right? So I don't know if you got the calculator app on your phone. So I put in 11, and I started adding zeros, right? So 11, I'm like 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0. And, and uh, I got to 11 million. I got to 110 million, and my calculator stopped. So I had to turn it sideways. If you turn it sideways, you can keep adding zeros. And quickly, you understand, 11 billion is a huge number. And so I did a little math. I was like, wait, 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 wait. So $11 billion, so if each of those books, let's say costs 20 bucks, right? Not every book costs 20 bucks. I'm just going to say 20 bucks. Do you know how many self-help books would have been sold in the U.S. this year? At 20 bucks a piece, 550 million self-help books. That's crazy. That's crazy. We don't just turn to books. More and more we're turning to people for help. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I'll talk about that in a second. But in the United States of America, currently the CDC says, this is uh, 2021, said 21.6% of adults reported getting mental health treatment or seeing a counselor. Now those are those that fessed up, said, yep, I'm doing it. There's a lot that that didn't admit that. But 21.6%. Now you do a little math, you figure out what the the average number of, of adults in the U.S. is. That comes out to 55 million people in the United States of America, a million adults that are currently receiving counseling of some sort. 
What about medication of those receiving counseling? How many of those are receiving medication? Well, this is an old number. So the, the most updated stat here is from 2018. I think it's low because this is pre-COVID. I think post-COVID this is much higher. But uh, in 2018, it said 13.2% of adults in the U.S. were on some form of antidepressant. Okay? Again, I'm, I'm going to say that's higher, but I'll stick with that number since it's all we have. Again, you multiply that by the number of adults in the United States, and that means that over 34 million people are turning to medication for their mental health issues. And that says nothing about those that are self-medicating. You guys know what self-medicating is, by the way, right? A little beer, maybe a little more than a little. A uh, little wine, maybe a little more than a wine, little, right? Uh, marijuana, I mean, you, you name it. Um, by the way, uh, when we talk about self-medicating and the statistics I'm going to show, that doesn't include food, shopping, binge-watching. Those are all ways to self-medicate as well. Uh, pornography, uh, those things are dopamine hits. Um, that's, that's a way to self-medicate. But those aren't included in these statistics. So, so we're just talking about people that are self-medicating, say, say beer, wine, uh, marijuana, you name it, alcohol, those, those kind of things. Uh, this study says that 38% of men and 45% of women do that on a daily basis. And what I'm saying to you is that if you look at what we're doing, at how we're feeling, and the places we're turning to, you can clearly see that in our country we are screaming for peace we're desperate for it we're turning to so many places to try to find it much like solomon you guys ever read the book of ecclesiastes y'all solomon turned to so many places to try to find peace right it says that he turned to education and and wisdom and and and, and he, he studied everything he could study and then he says man it's all meaningless by the way some of you do that things same thing you you think man i i need peace you're anxious about stuff but you're like if i could just study it enough right we have more information in our fingertips than we ever have before and you think if i can research it enough then i will be at peace and you've done more research on more subjects you could ever imagine and guess what you're more anxious than you were when you started right because it doesn't bring peace solomon didn't just turn to that then he turned to pleasure and and, and to women and, and y'all again we've done that for dopamine hits haven't we but in the end those relationships always seem to let us down. It's never what we quite thought it was. It always comes with a layer of guilt and pain and separation between God and us. And it doesn't work. Then he turned to alcohol, the Bible says. Turned to wine. So he tried that. It too was meaningless. And again, what I'm trying to say, this is who we are as human beings. Since Genesis chapter 3... We've been in a great conflict. And if you don't realize you're in conflict, then you need to hit the pause button and you need to look at your life. Because I promise you that you're doing something to deal with that conflict. And if that something is not turning to Jesus, this morning I'm going to tell you, that something is not going to work. That something will let you down. Okay? So we start with the truth that all of creation has been at war since the fall of mankind. Second point, our lives scream of our desire for peace. The third point, only Jesus can bring us the true peace we need. Only Jesus can bring us the true peace we need. Uh, so I, I want to say this just so you hear it clearly from our pulpit. Um, we are big believers in counseling in this church. 
So we're, we're pro, uh, pro-counseling. You should talk to somebody. It's okay, right? And, and it can be super, super helpful, by the way. So we have lots of people come to us, and they'll say, hey, this is what's going on. And we'll go, hey, uh, man, uh, let me pray for you, and let me recommend somebody that's licensed and trained for you to talk to. And we, we do that a lot here. So, so we're, we're pro-counseling. I need you also here from our pulpit that we believe that there are times uh, that medication uh, may be necessary. All right? You say, well, I, that just seems so unspiritual. I don't think so. If you study Scripture, Scripture is very clear uh, that we human beings are made up of mind, body, and spirit. And so when it comes to our mind, when we're having problems processing, dealing with things, there's a couple things that could be going on. A big part of that is spiritual, y'all. Our, our world, the world never addresses the spiritual. They just try to take care of the physical. They don't ever address the spiritual. We know that sometimes in our minds we believe lies from the devil and that those lies then change the way that we act. The way that we act changes the way that we feel. It strengthens the wrong thought. and We get caught in these things called strongholds. And we have to break out of that. And the only way to do that is to take the lies that we've believed and replace them with the truth of God's word. Then we have to take the actions that we were doing because of the lies. We have to replace those with things that reflect what God's truth says. Eventually our feelings will change. That stronghold can be broken. Okay, So we know there's a lot of spiritual to it. But if we people are made up of mind, body, and spirit, that means that there are some times that our mind, as part of our physical body, may need help, right? Many people are sick right now, and you know what most of them did? They went to the doctor. Did we cast them out because of it? How dare you go to the ER and get on Tamiflu? Huh, I'm so devastated. I can't believe you would do Antibiotics? Oh my gosh, if you had faith, you'd just suck it up and make it. Right? We never do that. That sounds ridiculous. And yet, in the history of the church, I'm not talking about our church, but I'm talking about the church as a whole, globally, many people have looked down upon any kind of medication for mental issues. And what we're here to say is, if we are mind, body, and spirit, there are times that your mind, not in the spiritual sense, again, you've got to deal with the lies you've believed, replace it with the truth, but there are times your mind as a physical component of your body, that your serotonin levels could be off, right? There, there could be some brain chemistry that needs to be set right, and so maybe for a season and for a moment, you do need to talk to somebody. We've had people on staff that have done that, have been there and done that. Maybe, maybe you're the only, this, this may be that you're like, I don't, we're talking about this in church. This makes me uncomfortable. It's okay. It's okay. So, so when I put this on the screen, only Jesus can bring us true peace. You're like, man, that pastor doesn't believe in God. No, no. You need to hear the whole counsel, the full counsel. But what I'm going to say to you is those other things that I just talked about, those just help. They just help for a season. They don't bring true peace. Not lasting peace. Only Jesus can do that. Right? Isaiah 9, 6, again on the screen. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, the government will be on his shoulders, he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of, of Peace. That is the promise of Christmas. That the baby that was born in the manger, that the angels rejoiced about, said, hey, go, go tell the world what has happened here, that that baby would bring us peace would bring us peace, would bring us the thing that our hearts long for. Most importantly, that he would come to bring peace between us and God. But in doing so, that we could have peace within our hearts as well.
Jesus came and did what we couldn't. He lived the life that we couldn't. He died the death that we deserved. And before he ascended into heaven, this Prince of Peace said these words to his followers. He said, my peace is still accessible to you. In John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. The Prince of Peace saying, I'm leaving peace available for you. It's not going away with me. You will always have access to my peace. And how do we have access to his peace? Well, the answer is through him. Through him, right? Jesus would say that we are to go and make disciples. But he closes that statement by saying, and surely I will be with you always. Means we'll always have access to him through faith. So, what does that look like now? Well, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, uh, something happens pretty cool uh, that we get the Holy Spirit. The moment that we believe in Jesus, we say, Jesus, man, I've heard about you. I heard that you, you came, you were born for me, that you died in my place. Man, I need you to come into my life. And we say, come into my life, save me from my sins. When that happens, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, invades our life and lives inside of our chest. And it's a hard thing to explain. Like, people are just like, I just know that I'm saved. And you're like, what do you mean? I know. Like, I'm changed. I feel it. It's inside me. It's different. And, and, and suddenly the things that you used to want to do, now there's like this voice, it's like a tug. Sometimes it's not always like, like where you can hear it, but it's like this feeling, nope, don't do that. Come on, man, I've got something better. And now the Holy Spirit starts guiding our thoughts and we're, we're trying to learn how to follow that, which is like a weird dance. Any new Christians feeling this going on? How many old Christians feel that going on, right? Amen. You're like, Holy Spirit's calling me to do this, but I want to do this over here. Oh, we'll come back this way. We look that way a lot, right? And so, so, so listen, we have the Holy Spirit now. And so Galatians 5.16 says, I say then walk by the Spirit. Man, walk by the Spirit and you won't do the things that you don't want to do. Walk by the Spirit. And, and listen, this Spirit has fruit. Galatians 5.22-23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Your life and my life, visible proof, we long for peace. If you're honest. Now, you can lie to me all day. That's cool. I mean, it's not cool, but I mean, it happens in church all the time. People show up, oh, pastor, I'm good. Everything's fine. I got dressed. Me and my wife, see, we love each other. Everything's great. Yeah. Let me record you on your way to church. Like, from the time you get out of the house, like, to here, I want to watch that before we talk. Because it's not always great. We are at war, but Jesus can bring us peace. Now, does that mean that following Jesus means it will never have any problems with the devil? Absolutely not. That part usually gets worse. Can I tell you that? I mean, I'll be honest enough in church to tell you, you choose to follow Jesus, the spiritual battle actually gets ratcheted up. You're like, really? Yeah. But the inner peace, man, it's yours. can absolutely be yours. The peace with God, the biggest deal, which gives you access to God, where you become His children. Like, that's the biggest deal. I became a child of God because I put my faith and trust in Christ. That's what that baby in a manger did for me. 
Because he lived the law perfectly. He died the death that I deserve on that cross. And he conquered death and rose again. And I mean, anyone who believes in him can be saved. And I am saved because of him once and for all. Right? And so I have peace with God. Even when I don't feel like it. Isn't that crazy? I have peace with God. Now that's awesome. So you can have peace with God. You can have inner peace. And if you abide in the Spirit, well, and other believers around you are doing the same, you can live at peace with one another. And you're not going to live at peace with everybody because not everybody loves Jesus. Not everybody that loves Jesus is following Jesus at that moment. But peace is available. Jesus has left it for us. So what do we do because of that message? I'm going to give you a little bit of homework this week. It's a little hard. I'm sorry. I love you, but here it is. Uh, three things. Number one, and, and guys, this is, uh, is kind of application-based, and, and it's, it's, it's spiritual, so it's practical and spiritual. Uh, number one, make a list of current stresses and fears. Okay? Like, wh- why are you not at peace? Why are you anxious? So make a list. Put it on paper. Do not, do not deal with it. Well, I just feel that way. That's not enough. Why do you feel that way? Think about it. Okay? You're like, it's going to make me feel more that way. Maybe for a short period of time. But you need to figure out the source of it. Make a list of current stresses, fears. Intentionally give those to God. It's the first thing I want to challenge you to do this week. Number two, uh, I want to ask you this week to examine your life in areas where you are seeking peace through inadequate means. Okay? We have a tendency to run to the same old places over and over and over and over again. I love you. If you don't know this about human beings, that's what we do. Okay? Going up, like growing up through life, we learn to deal with things by running to other places other than Jesus. You have those places in your life. Bible calls them idols at some point, but, but like, like whatever. There are places that you run. Um, I like to call them cisterns for water, and that water's not living. It always leads to death. They're places that you run to deal, and those places historically, while they have given you momentary help, they have, they've eventually left you down. And so I want you to think about it. Man, where do I run to deal with stress? Where do I run to deal with loneliness? Whew. Where do I run to deal with guilt? Where do I turn? And if any of those places aren't Jesus then you've got to get that part right. Okay? Good on you for realizing that you're dealing with stress or, or, or hurt or lonely. Okay, fine. Now you've got to change where you're running. So consider surrendering those areas, those inadequate means unto Jesus. And then that just brings me to the last point, guys. Turn to Jesus and ask him to be your source of peace. Turn to Jesus and ask him to be your source of peace. And, and that's what this morning is all about. Isaiah promised one that would come. And he says that he is going to be the Prince of Peace. But that can only happen if you turn to him personally. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put, um, can I get some help up in the booth? Can we go back to Isaiah 9, 6? I'm going to throw you a curveball. Any of those, there's two of those scriptures up there. Either one is cool. So I'm going to read it one more time. And we're going to light this thing. It's called the Advent Candle. And so... uh, Week two, we, 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 we lit the hope candle. We're going to light the peace candle this morning. As we do, I just, I, I'm going to read the scripture. But if you're here and you need peace with God, 
I'm going to ask, could we, could we dim the lights a little bit upstairs? Is that doable? Travis got me there. Awesome. Um, if you need peace with God, what we're going to do, I'm going to read this scripture. And, I, and after I do, I'm going to ask everyone just to bow their heads. Trev, we, we can just knock them all kind of, kind of a little bit down. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's hard to deal with. I'm asking. He's like, this is my first week up here. Love you, man. You got it. Way to go, bro. All right. So last week, um, we lit our candle of hope. Our scripture this morning, a child will be born for us, and a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I'm going to ask you where you are just to bow your heads for a moment in prayer. Nobody's looking around in this moment. But some of you, this whole message spoke to exactly where you are and you need peace desperately. Some of you have never turned to Jesus. and Maybe for the first time you, you heard, man, you're at war not just with yourself. You felt that. But you're actually at war with God. And this morning you're like, I, I'd love to have peace with God. If that's you, I'm not going to make you walk an aisle. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if today you would like to know that you have peace with God, you just raise your hand where you are. Say, I want peace with God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Man, I want peace with God, Pastor. So we're going to pray this prayer. If that's you, you guys can put your hands down for a second. We're just going to pray this prayer to, to, together, okay? And we're going to say this, King Jesus. And Jesus, we call you King because you conquered death because you ascended into heaven, because you sit on the throne. But Jesus, today I heard that you were born for this reason, so I could have peace with God. And Jesus, I know I need it. I am a sinner. I constantly do things that I know that God is not pleased with. And I know that my sin is on me. But Jesus, I heard today that you came and you lived and you died to take that sin from me, to pay that penalty for me, and that it's for anyone who believes. And today, Jesus, just in the best way I know how, I want to say, please do that in me. I believe in you. I believe you came to earth. I believe you were born of a virgin. I believe you lived the life I couldn't and died the death I deserved. And I want peace with God. I want to go to heaven. I want to be a child of God. I want your spirit to live in me and to change me slowly from the inside out. So please come into my life now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's what Christmas is all about.